You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thank you as always for joining us. A lot going on at Judicial Watch. More litigation to uncover the truth about Fauci and Hunter Biden. Plus new government corruption abuses that I want to start off with. Uh, The big news as we go to produce this video is that Steve Bannon, the former Trump White House advisor, uh, was convicted by a jury for uh, contempt of Congress, specifically his refusal to cooperate with the January 6th Rump Committee. I see this whole prosecution and this whole targeting of Bannon as fundamentally corrupt. He... uh, objected to the subpoenas by the January 6th Rump Committee in good faith. And uh, for that, he was targeted and prosecuted. And now he faces, I think, potentially jail. Uh, I don't know if his appeals will uh, uh, be considered or, or go anywhere. Obviously, once you're convicted, it's always hard to overturn a conviction on, on appeal. Uh, but this highlights, the, in my view, the targeting of Bannon just highlights the corruption here in Washington, D.C. When you compare and contrast the uh, -the over-the-top targeting of Trump world with the way, for instance, that even Durham is operated, walking very carefully around people like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. When you see the Justice Department, for instance, uh, go slow, stonewall, and frankly protect uh, the Biden family from the consequences of their uh, consequences of their obviously criminal behavior, and then you see Steve Bannon, who got into a political fight, frankly, with the January 6th committee, uh, one over whether there was a good faith basis to assert executive privilege uh, in testimony, and rather than just fight over that. The Justice Department, uh, or just recognize that was a political fight, the Justice Department, run by Biden appointees, uh, on behalf of the Pelosi-Rump Committee, uh, prosecuted Bannon in, frankly, unprecedented fashion. And uh, so now he's facing jail. So this is, in my view, a political prosecution. Uh, The Pelosi-Rump Committee, as demonstrated by the various hearings, including the hearings this week, is nothing but a political operation designed to, A, uh, make it more difficult for President Trump to run for re-election, B, targeting other members of the House and the Senate who they don't like, and then C, targeting innocent citizens with harassment and threats because they are concerned that American citizens will continue uh, to support election integrity and question election results that, in their view, have been tarred by election uh, a misconduct or other failures. So the, what, Janu- what this January 6th Rump Committee is all about, it's about targeting and suppressing the political opposition to Joe Biden uh, in the run-up not only to the November elections for Congress, but obviously the 2024 elections. Now, I don't know if Joe Biden is going to run in 2024, uh, but what they're trying to do is kneecap any political opposition to him uh, by suggesting that everyone who has concerns about the election is a criminal. That's what they're trying to do, is criminalize opposition to their political agenda, whether it be on elections or anything else. And Bannon is a victim of that. Now, compare and contrast, for instance, uh, the way Bannon was treated by this corrupt Justice Department uh, with the way that Eric Holder, uh, Obama's corrupt 
uh, Department of Justice Attorney General was treated by the Justice Department. Holder uh, refused to turn over documents about lies to Congress uh, concerning the Fast and Furious scandal, which saw uh, guns move to the cartels in Mexico with the support and approval of the Biden, of, excuse me, the Obama Biden Justice Department, Eric Holder's Justice Department, of course, the ATF. And they knew something, they knew it was going on, and they lied to Congress about it, and Congress was investigating those lies. And Holder had, I think, nearly two years to turn over the documents, and there was a fight going back and forth, and finally, Congress held him in contempt for refusing to turn over the documents. Now, of course, the Justice Department under Obama refused to prosecute. Now, fast forward to today, where you have the Democratic Congress work with the Democratic Justice Department to prosecute an opponent of the Democrats. Now, Bannon isn't just any opponent. He has a unique voice, given his First Amendment protected activities on the War Room, which is a, a massive podcast and program that's available online. And I think it's even available on TV these days. And so, and he's, in many ways, he's the leader of the opposition uh, to what I would call the deep state. And it's, it goes beyond partisanship and party, in my view. So this is the targeting of a political opponent as opposed to a criminal. Now, I don't know whether he technically, and maybe he did technically violate or is technically in contempt, but I'm highlighting those contempt issues related to Congress are often handled uh, civilly and in political negotiations. Uh, and now the rules have been changed because it's Trump, right? So it's dangerous times in terms of having uh, these politicized prosecutions. The Justice Department, uh, as I say, go, goes slow on, uh, on, on Biden, protected Hillary, uh, protected Obama. And uh, compare and contrast, for instance, the failure to prosecute the Colbert gang, Stephen Colbert, the television show host, he had people uh, in the in the um, in the U.S. Capitol uh, uh, complex who were there uh, and ended up being arrested because they broke the rules, just like the January 6th protesters broke the rules. What's the difference? They're leftists, and so the Justice Department announced they wouldn't be prosecuted. So it's really just a slap in the face of any American who has any concern about the rule of law, the equal application of the law, the equal protection of the law. And uh, so uh, these, these, this, is, this is the danger we're in as a constitutional republic. And of course, then you have the air of violence associated with so much of what the left is doing. You're having the Justice Department, uh, while it's throwing the book at Steve Bannon, refusing to enforce the rule of law that protects the lives uh, and protects the rule of law from being obstructed, it protects the lives of justices and protects the rule of law being obstructed by preventing uh, inappropriate demonstrations targeting judges. And you have these demonstrations targeting uh, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Barrett, Justice uh, Thomas, Justice um, uh, Chief Justice Roberts as well, and they're absolutely prohibited by federal law. And this sort of atmosphere has led, it's, it's obvious, to an assassination attempt on Justice Kavanaugh. And even this week, you see someone tried to kill Lee Zeldin, who is a gubernatorial Repu a candidate up in New York, running for governor up there.
And the guy who tried to kill him is let out almost immediately. Let out almost immediately. So it is a dangerous time to be a conservative public official because of what this Justice Department is doing and the failure to enforce the law to protect uh, the rights and lives and safety of all American citizens, irrespective of their political affiliation. But that's not going on here. And as I said, these are dangerous times, and what Judicial Watch is trying to do is we're trying to enforce the rule of law by highlighting uh, these issues and educating individuals about it, but also investigating what's going on here in terms of, for instance, the failure to protect the justices. And I would encourage you, it's not just a federal problem, to ask your local officials, especially if you live in Maryland or Virginia, ask the governor of Virginia, Governor Yunkin, why isn't he being aggressive in protecting the justices who live in the Commonwealth? Ask the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, why isn't he being aggressive in protecting uh, the justices who live in his state? Both of those, by the way, are Republican governors. So this isn't just a Democrat problem, it's a Republican problem. You have politicians of both political parties who don't understand the gravity of the failure to enforce the rule of law and protect lives uh, be, uh, where decisions are made based on politics as opposed to uh, the merits and the constitutional command that everyone deserves equal protection under the law. Uh, so that's where we stand in terms of the current crisis. And uh, we're going to call it as we see it. I, I, my, my concern is that, uh, you know, Zeldin wasn't killed. Justice Kavanaugh wasn't killed. But unless something is done, someone could be hurt or killed. So we want to we defend and protect the rule of law because it literally protects our lives. Uh, and when we have the Justice Department on the wrong side of the line of the rule of law, oh boy, I hate to think what will happen. Speaking of the rule of law, uh, I find it very curious uh, and ironic to see the left hysteria and reaction to the Secret Service allegedly failing to maintain text messages um, around the time of January 6th. Now, this process of failing to maintain or inform law enforcement or, uh, in the case of the uh, Congress, Congress itself, who wanted to see these text messages allegedly, uh, is just par for the course from the deep state, isn't it? And uh, the left is outraged that text messages could have been erased, uh, but I don't recall that outrage when Judicial Watch highlighted and exposed how phones were wiped by the Mueller operation, how we exposed how the FBI was allowing text messages to be destroyed. Uh, they didn't care because we were asking about text messages uh, that would have um, in, uh, 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 potentially hurt their effort to destroy Trump. So now we're expected to believe that uh, things that the government has been doing for years all of a sudden uh, is a, the worst scandal in American history because uh, it, it relates to January 6. Uh, but the Secret Service, uh, which is in part responsible for these records, uh, you know, we've always had issues with the Secret Service. In my view, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of a disaster uh, organizationally and bureaucratically. And uh, it's terribly political in, in hiding records from the American people uh, for political reasons. And we're seeing that again in the case of Hunter Biden.
In June 2020, Judicial Watch uncovered that uh, Hunter Biden was uh, visiting all over the world, 29 different countries, including trips to Russia, five trips to China. And the reason we found out about those trips specifically and uncovered them exclusively is because we knew what to ask and who to ask, namely the Secret Service that was providing protection for Hunter Biden. And they have recordations of where they go with him. What was interesting is that Biden, Hunter Biden, during the second half of the second term of the Obama-Biden administration, uh, the record stopped, meaning that he presumably stopped getting Secret Service protection, presumably by choice. So isn't that interesting? Now, now that he is the son of a sitting president, he obviously is getting Secret Service protection. And so similarly, we want records about this protection. And of course, the, the Secret Service, unfortunately par for the course, is stonewalling and refusing to produce records to us. We specifically asked for all records concerning the use of security and other services to Hunter Biden and any other companions, all records concerning the use of government funds to provide security and any other uh, services to Hunter Biden and any companions. And uh, we had three separate FOIA requests. Uh, some of the requests, uh, well, at least one of the requests, actually go back to some of the Secret Service protection he was getting during the Biden administration. We wanted more information for a broader period of time. Other requests, the other requests relate to his uh, what the Secret Service has been doing to him, doing for him now, uh, specifically, uh, you know, where 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 they're providing protection, where he's going. That's what the records presumably would show, and of course the costs of providing him protection uh, for his uh, his home in Malibu. Now we obviously don't want the uh, the secret sauce. Uh, records about how the Secret Service is, uh, provides protection. You know, that's not what we uh, ask for. Uh, we just want the basic records uh, detailing what the Secret Service is doing in terms of costs and such uh, that provides us insight as to you know, where he's going and how much money we're spending on it. Fundamental, basic records that typically we're able to get or should be able to get under law. But the Secret Service has decided to protect Hunter Biden here. And I say that because we get other records, for instance, about Joe Biden's travel without much trouble from the Secret Service. So why are they protecting Hunter? Well, you know why they're protecting Hunter. You know why. At least that's the conclusion I draw from this unusual obstruction by the Secret Service. So Judicial Watch has sued in federal court. And so this isn't just a matter of complaining. Judicial Watch acts. And that's what separates Judicial Watch, frankly, from the political class. The political class likes to complain and kvetch, uh, but what Judicial Watch does is say, we know what to do. We ask for the records, and if they're unwilling to give us the records and we have the capacity, because sometimes we don't, because we have thousands of Freedom of Information Act requests pending, uh, we sue. And in this case, the Secret Service is stonewalling us not on one, but two, but three Freedom of Information Act requests related to Hunter. So the other news this week as it relates to Hunter, which I'll bring up as because this is part of the, part and parcel of that, because to me, this is a window on Hunter corruption. Where you, if you know where he's been and where he's going, uh, where he's been traveling, that gives you some insight as to potential corruption issues. That's why one of the reasons we asked for the transparency law to be enforced here. Uh, Fox News uh, reported 
that it's a make or break period for the Justice Department in terms of deciding whether to prosecute Hunter Biden on a number of issues related to uh, his international schemes uh, to get money, trading on his father's name and converting his father's public office into private gain for him and his business partners. Of course, there are other issues related potentially to drug use, uh, tax cheating. Uh, speaking of the Secret Service, there are allegations the Secret Service swooped in to try to help him uh, in terms of uh, a gun issue where a gun was lost and the Secret Service showed up to try to clean up the mess. Uh, so there's potentially also a charge related to uh, his uh, evidently lying on the federal background check form for a gun purchase about his drug use. Easy, straightforward prosecution if the Justice Department decided to pursue it. But all I need to tell you is that they've had the Hunter laptop since 2019, and they've been protecting him ever since. Now, Je Attorney General Garland says, oh, no, he trusts the U.S. attorney in Delaware, the Biden's home state, uh, to fairly prosecute this. Well, we already know there have been stonewalling and delays, so we already know that's an issue. And secondly, the Justice Department regulations that were um, thrown in our faces repeatedly uh, require that a special counsel be appointed uh, when there's a conflict of interest by the Justice Department. Now, of course, there's a conflict of interest by the Justice Department in figuring out whether to prosecute Hunter Biden. And that is obvious because he's the son of the president who appointed these folks. But the other conflict of interest that the media uh, and, and doesn't want to focus on, and one of the reasons I think the Justice Department is uh, probably going to do, if they do anything against Hunter, something very narrow that allows him to get off in a way that no other citizen would be allowed uh, to do, uh, is because of the involvement of his father in these alleged crimes. You have this Hunter laptop scandal showing, uh, the, the Hunter laptop material showing that, uh, and other records and evidence, including uh, witness statements, uh, showing that Hunter Biden was in a business relationship with his father, and that the money he was getting was going in part to his father. And you have other information showing that his father's vice president's office was being used as part of this business operation. Frankly, it's called, it, it, you know, it's a mafia. It's usually, it's been typically used to go after the mafia. It, it, it has all the hallmarks of a racketeering operation, RICO, racketeering influence and corrupt organizations. So uh, the, the challenge, and I'm being charitable because uh, this is, uh, the Justice Department knows what the challenge is, is that it's not just about Hunter, it's about Joe. And the fact that a special counsel hasn't been appointed is a scandal. And in my view, the decision whether to prosecute Hunter Biden can't be made by regular Justice Department political appointees. Now, let me be clear. I'm no fan of the special counsel regulation, but it's there. And we're supposed to follow it, right, at the Justice Department. If the Justice Department thinks, no, look, the politically accountable person is the attorney general. He's the one who makes the decision. That's where the buck stops. And he's not going to outsource it to a special government employee who isn't confirmed by the Senate. But that's not what the rule is. That's what we were told wasn't the rule under Trump. I objected to special counsels under Trump. But no, they had Mueller. And now we're told that we don't need special counsels for Biden, even though the circumstances require it. 
Now, Judicial Watch, and I encourage you to sign up our petition on change.org. Maybe we can provide a link to it. We have over 350,000 people signed a petition for the special counsel for Biden. Frankly, Biden family corruption, because it's not only Hunter, it's his uh, brothers as well, Joe Biden's brothers, who seemingly are involved in this racketeering operation. So how is it this is supposed to be investigated? Now, the, the other challenge for the Justice Department, which is a legitimate constitutional challenge, is whether the Justice Department can prosecute a sitting president. Well, this is where the impeachment power comes. If there are issues related, uh, if the Justice Department finds information about um, criminality by the president, obviously the House and the Senate can move to remove him. And then there could be prosecutions. That was the whole thinking behind Trump. They wanted to remove him so they could try to jail him, even though he hadn't done anything wrong. Here you got significant evidence of criminal activity, and they don't want to do anything by the Justice Department. So again, this goes back to the double standards for justice. And I, you know, I say, uh, I often I, a joke, I guess it's not a joke, it's not double standard. Oh no, it's one standard. The one standard is target conservatives or Republicans or anyone else, because include, it includes Democrats from time to time, who are enemies of the establishment. Uh, and whether they've done anything wrong, it doesn't matter. They don't make decisions based on rule of law. They make decisions based on politics while protecting people like Obama, Biden, and Hillary and all the rest, Strzok, Page, and people like that. It's one standard. Protect your friends and punish your enemies. To paraphrase Obama's statement in that regard. So that's what's going on with Biden. And at least, you know, Judicial Watch, to be clear, can't prosecute someone. But we can uncover documents suggesting ways and, via, and, and pathways for investigators. Or prosecutors, if there were any honest ones out there. And of course... The documents educate you about what needs to be done so you can tell your elected officials what you think. So at this point, we're probably doing more honest investigations. And frankly, there are other good people doing some honest investigations there, too. And I don't want to uh, deny that there are other folks interested in these issues. And then the Justice Department. You know, I think what they're doing, you know, our experience is anything they do it's almost always reaction to public disclosures. So let's say there's a leak of the laptop saying that Hunter Biden was involved in sex trafficking on an international level, implicating his father, which is what happened. Uh, and so the Justice Department would never have wanted to look at that outright because they, they saw it on, the, on, on uh, they had access to the same materials, practically speaking, or could have. So what they do is they quickly start to pretend to investigate it. I mean, we saw that during the Hillary Clinton email scandal. They were literally following our lead because they didn't want to be embarrassed that Judicial Watch was questioning and investigating and uncovering information and evidence that they didn't. So they were using literally our evidence or started to question people once we announced we were going to question people. That's what I'm convinced is happening with Biden. A lot of this is, oh, we've done an investigation we're probably going to have the narrowest possible prosecution, if any. Maybe there'll just be a plea deal. So I don't trust what's going to happen here. 
and all we can do, in my view, again, is pressure uh, Congress to demand accountability here because they have unique ability to do it, uh, to do that based on funding. And secondly, uh, demand accountability from the Justice Department. So if the Congress won't provide leadership, you can provide leadership by uh, A, supporting Judicial Watch, getting the word out about the corruption that not only implicates Hunter, but his father. Remember, these are, these are potentially dangerous scandals in the sense they have a national security impact with respect to China, Ukraine, and Russia, including other countries. I didn't know, for instance, uh, some of the materials that have been released recently, I don't know if they were hacked or not, or I forget, uh, but it looks like it's credible material, uh, implicating Romania. There was a Romania angle. So uh, who knows how many countries are involved? But obviously when you have uh, the president and his son compromised by illicit dealings with foreign governments and fronts for foreign governments, obviously that's a national security issue. Lies are at risk as a result of the Biden scandals and uh, we deserve and demand, and demand full accountability. And so Judicial Watch has a number of lawsuits in this regard with the latest lawsuit against the Secret Service uh, for details on Hunter Biden and his travel uh, is just the latest. Well, one of the other accountability crises here in Washington, D.C. has to do with our public health agencies, which in my view are just as corrupt as the other so-called deep state agencies we've been concerned about in the past. The National Institutes, the National Institutes of Health, uh, Fauci's sub-agency there, the Nas National Institute on Allergy and, and Infectious Diseases, diseases um, HHS generally, uh, the CDC. I mean, we've seen during COVID, all of those agencies are terribly corrupt. Uh, they uh, have contempt for the common man. They have contempt for political leaders. They have contempt for science. Yet they've been using the powers entrusted to them by the American people to abuse the American people. They've been working with big tech to censor the American people who have objected uh, to uh, their abuses of power and their refusal to use common sense uh, and to really follow the science in uh, their COVID policies and other abuses related to their response to the COVID. Uh, a lot of it is self-interested in the sense that you have folks like Dr. Fauci and other individuals at NIH who uh, were very much aware that they could be implicated in the breakout of COVID because of their support for gain-of-function research uh, for the lab that has been tied most notoriously potentially to the emergence of COVID, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, Judicial Watch, of course, uh, has taken the lead on exposing this, finding the documents showing that it was gain-of-function research, finding the documents that showed how much money was flowing to these Chinese entities, finding the emails showing that they all knew, Fauci and others, going back years that it was gain-of-function going on, showing that China was a troublemaker in this regard. And of course, the other problem is they were troublemakers too because they were partners with China. So we can blame China for the emergence of COVID, but to the degree it was a man-made virus, if indeed it was, then our government's partly responsible, namely Dr. Fauci. And one of the other concerns about Fauci and company is the conflict of interest that it were inherent to the way they operate there. 
You have these billions of dollars in grants, patents, and other activities that take place, royalties and other income uh, that arise from their jobs for uh, working for the government that they get extra money for. So uh, Judicial Watch, with our partners at OpenTheBooks.com, have been taking, again, the lead in trying to figure out what Fauci was making in terms of money, what his job duties and responsibilities were, and what others at the NIH and NIAID were making uh, as uh, they were acting, in our view, in a way that was hopelessly conflicted. I didn't know this until relatively recently. But did you know that Fauci's wife is a top official at NIH? I didn't. Well, now I do. We sued over it. Because we sued for OpenTheBooks.com for financial records of Dr. Fauci, but also now his wife. So what Judicial Watch did was we filed a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit with OpenTheBooks.com against the Department of Health and Human Services for the employment and financial disclosures of Fauci's spouse, uh, Christine Grady, who was the top Department of Bioethics official there at the National Institutes of Health. Now, again, this is, again, a simple request for information. These records typically are online. I don't understand why they're not online. Uh, but HHS failed to respond to an April FOIA request by OpenTheBooks.com to the NIH asking for the records regarding Grady's employment contracts, modifications, and addendum regarding Christine Grady's, uh, re regarding her since she was hired as chief of the Department of Bioethics. Any confidentiality agreements, conflicts of interest waivers. I love conflict of interest waivers. You get the wave conflicts of interest. Only in Washington do you get the wave ethics. Ethics disclosures and, of course, the financial or economic interest disclosure documents and her current job description. Why is this a state secret? Why is it that we have to go and sue the federal government for this with a new lawsuit? And what I love about this work is that it's not just Judicial Watch asking the question and having to sue. Uh, this shows you the uh, scope of the public interest work uh, by Judicial Watch. We represent others seeking information. OpenTheBooks.com is a great group that does specializes in exposing uh, financial records and budgetary records and, and, and data about how the government spends their money or your money that the government hates having to disclose. And it's basic information, uh, but because it's the, the amount of money is so outrageous, uh, the government bureaucrats know uh, they're better off keeping it secret. So that's why Open the Books is providing this useful government service or public service. Now, uh, Judicial Watch represents Open the Books. We represent jur journalists, other interest groups, individual citizens and parents and such in pursuing records on behalf of the American people and obviously on behalf of the clients here. Now, the lawsuit asks the court to require the department to search for and produce all responsive records and order the department to stop withholding non-exempt records related to the FOIA request. So just to be clear, the National Institutes for Health is violating federal law and withholding these records from our client, OpenTheBooks.com. They're violating federal law and covering up the details of the financial records related to the Fauci family, husband and spouse, Dr. Fauci and Christine Grady. Now, we previously had the sue for Fauci financial records for OpenTheBooks.com. We filed a lawsuit in October of 2021 against HHS for 
these same type of records for uh, Anthony Fauci, as well as royalties paid to NIH employees by outside entities. So as a result of that lawsuit, we helped uncover that over a 10 year period, Fauci and others at NIH received more than $350 million in secretive royalty payments from drug companies and other third parties. Now we also have another pending lawsuit for Fauci's calendars and uh, his calendar ent uh, entries. So this is the basic information, again, that we've had to go to federal court. So not only do we have lawsuits again about COVID and the vaccines, which are mega lawsuits that have provided more information uh, and basically everything we know about COVID uh, and, and its origins uh, and what our government's involvement was in funding uh, uh, the research that has been uh, potentially tied to it. The, uh, we've had to do this basic FOIA litigation for how much these people are getting paid, right? And basic financial disclosures of government employees. Now, you may recall uh, last week, we talked about how we uncovered how the FBI was investigating the Fauci agency grant to the Wuhan that involved gain-of-function research further calling into question the honesty and whether Fauci testified truthfully to Congress. And I don't think it's any coincidence that after those types of disclosures, Fauci is telling the media that he plans to retire at the end of the Biden administration, further, in my view, confirming he is a political operative as opposed to an apolitical government employee. Why would he tie his retirement to the end of a presidential term uh, other than by uh, frankly confirming that he's there for political reasons and not um, scientific reasons, as he constantly, uh, and in my view, falsely asserts. Now, our client, Andrew, Andrew Vesky, uh, who is CEO and founder of Open the Book, said, once again, NIH is using taxpayer dollars to avoid transparency and leaving us no choice but to enter litigation that will also, again, burden a taxpayer. So, you know, they, the government's happy to allow this litigation to go on because they don't pay for it. No one goes to jail for violating FOIA law. Although technically, I don't know if that would be possible. I don't think the courts here in D.C., which is, which is basically a government-centric court system, uh, would, would push that hard. It's time for NIH to stop routinely hiding information as simple as a job description and embrace basic transparency. And we thank our friends at Judicial Watch for helping us get the answers we deserve. And of course, we're happy to do the work. And so when you contribute to Judicial Watch, you're helping these other organizations too, you should know. And as I note, we have good reason to believe that these financial disclosure records will give Americans a more complete picture of the conflicts of interest that have compromised NIH and, frankly, Dr. Fauci, that our client had to file a federal lawsuit to gain access to this basic information speaks volumes. So there you have it, folks. Again, Judicial Watch uh, is the tip of the spear in trying to figure out what Anthony Fauci has been doing at NIH. And again, it's a family affair when it comes to the Fauci's. And so that's why we're investigating another top government official, his spouse, Christine Grady. Uh, so I think we have another lawsuit we just filed on Christine Grady. I think I'll talk about that next week. So it's not just, you know, it's Judicial Watch doesn't play games. When we go and figure out there's something going on, 
we asked numerous questions and demand numerous answers. And where possible, if we're not getting uh, the answers we are due under law, we go to court. And it's not just one lawsuit. We'll sue once, twice, three, four, five, as many as it takes within reason to try to get the truth. And I don't know about you, but I think what went on with COVID and who's responsible for it, the destruction of our economy, uh, the craziness around the abuses related to vaccine mandates and other public health mandates that have been so controversial, the arrogance of Dr. Fauci in pretending he wasn't doing something in terms of funding gain and function research when in fact he was, those are pretty important issues. And the big media has zero interest in it. Congress is basically hapless in figuring out what went on. And so it's up to Judicial Watch to come to the rescue here and figure out the truth about this major worldwide, in my view, worldwide scandal. There you go. I get a little heated now and again, but we take this work seriously. And, uh, you know, we recognize that the American people are outraged about this. And too often in Washington, D.C., uh, people get used to the corruption here, right? Oh, yeah, I know the voters are concerned about that. The D.C. citizens uh, and bureaucrats and politicians say, but, you know, we've got other things to do. Well, I think this is important, and I know you think this is important. And on topic after topic, I know the voters and citizens are concerned about the immigration crisis, about the election integrity crisis, about this public health crisis, about this corruption crisis. And no one here in Washington, D.C. shares those voter concerns. And I say no one. I say that generally speaking. There are always individual members of Congress who understand it. But I I am confident that Judicial Watch understands it more than anyone else in this decrepit city. And the reason we're able to pursue this work and with such energy and such vigor is because of your support. And the left likes to make fun of us. And they say we're conspiracy theorists because we expose conspiracies. conspiracies. They attack Judicial Watch. They attack me. They're obsessed with my physical appearance. It's just crazy. They'll say anything. But we're not going to stop because we know we speak for you, the American people, and what we do is essential to the functioning of our republic and the protection of our Constitution. So I encourage you to support our work. Uh, If you're not already, uh, well, support it again if you already are. But also, if you haven't, uh, join our movement, join our cause, support Judicial Watch, uh, because there's a lot more to be done. And if Judicial Watch won't do it, frankly, no one will. Thank you, and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.